Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. If you weren't here last week, we talked about the fact that God is approachable, that, that he has made himself available to all people. Jesus came to this world so that mankind could come to God. I love that, you know, it's, it's uh, Pentecost, and on Pentecost, or uh, very much near that time, Peter and John are preaching in Jerusalem, and a lame beggar gets healed, and revival breaks out in Jerusalem. And they preach so good that Peter and John get thrown in jail, and they have to answer before the, the Sanhedrin. And when they answer before the Sanhedrin, the Bible says that they were unschooled, ordinary men. God just took some ordinary folk put the Spirit of God inside them, and they turn the world upside down. So listen, maybe you're an ordinary person. Maybe there's nothing too special about you. Maybe you're not educated. Maybe you're not rich. Maybe you're not known. But listen, God can take ordinary people and do an extraordinary thing through them. Can I get a witness? So, um, in fact, this is kind of funny. The Greek word for ordinary there is idiotos in the Bible. These unschooled ordinary men, idiotos. It's where we get the word idiot. So they were not regarding them as very high. These, these um, men from Galilee, these backwood redneck men from the region of Galilee, came to Jerusalem, empowered by the Spirit, and turned the world upside down. So if he can do it with Peter and John, he can do it with you, and he can do it with me. Amen? Amen. God is approachable. This week, we, last week we talked about um, the approachable God. This week we want to talk about the approachable church. All right? What does the approachable church look like? I'm not talking about dumbing down scripture and making it palatable for everyone so that we never talk about anything uncomfortable. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what does it look like to be a magnetic church? I believe that God's church and God's children should be magnetic to the world around them. What does the approachable church look like? The Bible says that Jesus, this Jesus we've been speaking about today, he is the desire of all nations. Jesus is the desire of all nations. Um, And here's the deal. Everyone wants a king like Jesus. They just may not know it's Jesus that they're looking for. Intuitively, everyone is looking for something, but they may not know it is Jesus that they're actually looking for. Jesus is the answer to the world's problems. The answer to the purpose question, Jesus. The answer to the value question, Jesus. The answer to the emptiness question, Jesus. Amen? Jesus created every individual, and there's a groan in every individual to connect with their creator at the heart level. There's a groan in every individual, whether you realize it's Jesus or not. He is the desire of all nations. Um, So if Jesus is desirable, then his church, his children, should be desirable. Uh, Some years ago, my wife and I, I think we've been in full-time ministry for 13, 12, 13 years, something like that. And before I was in full-time ministry, I was a meat cutter. I was a butcher. And, and um, I was working at Safeway, and there was this, there was this lady I worked with. Her name, her name is Dina. And Dina was Wiccan. So, you know, she's like a witch, apparently. So, and, in fact, Dina had, like, a crystal. She wore a necklace with a crystal on it. One day, I'm, I'm like, getting into my locker, and I feel, like, something on my back. And Dina has her crystal, and she's touching my back with her crystal. Hello. Hello, lady. You know, what are you doing there? 
So she was, in, she was into some stuff, right? Deanna was into some stuff. But this is something that Deanna recognized. She said this. She said, before I explained to her about my life, she said, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. You're not like the rest of the people here. What is it that's different about you? And I explained to her, Jesus has come and filled my life. It's Jesus that's in my heart. She didn't like my answer. But that's what's different about me. Okay, intuitively, there was something in her that recognized there's something in me that she needed in her. Amen? Okay, if Jesus, here's the deal. If Jesus is the hope of the world, the church should be the hope in the world. If Jesus is the light of the world, the church should be the light in the world. Amen? So I want to talk about today what makes the church or an individual attractive to a lost and dying world around us. Okay? Today I want to talk about what it looks like to live fruitful lives. I believe that is the attractive attribute that people are looking for. When they see us and they see that there's fruit in our lives, let me ask you a question. If, if someone was going to feast off of you, feast off of your life, would you have something satisfying, nurturing to give them? Okay, that's what, that's what the believer should look like to the world. When people come to us, we have answers for their problems. We have encouragement for the problems. We have something to offer them a value to uplift them and build them up, okay? Um, my wife and I have, a, have a, a peach tree in our backyard. The first year we got it, it made tons of peaches. And then last year, it made nothing, like 2020 was for everyone, right? <laughs> no, nothing good came out of 2020. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't make peaches last year. I don't know why. One more thing. You know, pets' heads are falling off, right? Um, and we, we used to have an apple tree, and for like three years, I didn't know it was an apple tree. For three years, it didn't have anything on it. And then one day I'm on the lawn, I'm like ducking under a branch. I'm like, there's apples on this tree. Okay. And then I, somehow I killed that tree too. So I can grow grass good. I can't grow anything else good. So if you have any tips, come talk to me. But listen, fruitfulness is what God's looking for in our lives. And that is what the world is looking for. Is there something about you, something magnetic, something attractive to the people in your world? Let me ask you a question. Um, how many in here you have a pet peeve? Let me have a pet peeve. Okay, pet peeve. We all have a pet peeve, don't we? Um, I actually think it'd be cool to have a pet and name it Peeve. <laughs> and then they're like, what's your dog's name? What's your pet's name? Peeve. It's my pet peeve, you know. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe some of your pet peeves is puns. <laughs> but I like puns. Okay, what's, what's, a, what's one of your pet peeves? Who, who raised their hand? You're, what's that? Slow drivers. I agree. Slow drivers are pet peeve of mine. What, is there another one? Chewing ice. Chewing ice. It bothers you, okay. All right. Okay. All right. One more. We'll do one more. Cracking your knuckles. You don't like that? Okay. No. All right. I also have a pet peeve. It has to do with driving. I've said this before, but it's when people get into the acceleration lane and then they stop. And then they're looking. I'm like, you have 500 feet of acceleration. I don't even look at if there's an opening until I get up to the speed, then I look over and merge. That's how it's done, by the way, church. Okay. Okay. Broadcast this all over the world. Okay. The underutilization of acceleration lanes bothers me. Okay. That's my pet peeve. Um, I've actually... I've actually gone around people who were like waiting in the accelerator. I don't know. I've done only a couple of times. I know it's probably not legal. Sorry, Kyle Peltz was here a minute there. 
Yeah, he's a cop, so we got a few cops here. Anyway, let me ask you a question. Does Jesus have a pet peeve? <laughs> I believe Jesus does have a pet peeve. You want to know what it is? Fruitlessness. Fruitlessness, okay? Specifically, fruitlessness that comes from religiosity, okay? Religiosity. Listen, religion actually does a good job of alienating people from the living God. Religion is form without power. It's model without substance. Religion is rules without relationship. I mean, rules aren't always bad. In the New Testament, Paul's talking, like, here, here's some rules for holy living. There's some rules here. Um, Rules in and of themselves aren't bad, but when they're void of relationship and void of connection, then they bring death, right? Our household, we have rules. Our kids follow rules. Rules are good. But they know at the end of the day, their father loves them, and there's a connection there, okay? We're not just serving rules. It's religion is rules without relationship, model without substance. It is form without power. It leaves you, self, uh, it leaves you frustrated in your self-efforts and your self-performance. And the worst part of all is that religion actually alienates people from feeling like they can draw close to the living God. And I actually feel like today in this sermon and during worship, I believe God is breaking a spirit of religion, a spirit of uh, religion, a spirit of control that... Um, yeah, so God, we're going to pray for that here in a little bit. So, um, But the approachable church, religion makes God unavailable and makes God unapproachable. The approachable church makes God available. He's available to us. And so from scripture today, I want to just give you two quick pictures of what fruitlessness looks like from the Bible. We're going to um, look at two portions of scripture um, of how people have made God unapproachable. Uh, Mark chapter 11. Did you guys find that yet? All right. Mark 11. We're going to do 12 verses 12 through 25 total. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not in season for figs. Okay, by the way, this is a perfect picture of religiosity. It looks good on the outside, but when you draw close, there's nothing of substance to satisfy you. That's a picture of religiosity. It looks good out here, but on the inside, there's nothing happening. There's nothing to sustain you on the inside. I think this is a prophetic picture of what is about to happen in the scripture. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Okay, this is the picture, the prophetic picture I believe Jesus was getting at. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts, and he began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the, the tables of money changers and the benches of those selling doves, and he would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. As he taught them, he said, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? Then the chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and the disciples went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Okay? Jesus' pet peeve is fruitlessness, not particularly fig trees, 
but actually the fruitlessness of religiosity, okay? It's the religious sect that he was, he was angry at. The problem with the people selling in the temple courts, there's the money changers, there's people selling sacrifices, the people selling merchandise. The major problem wasn't that they were selling things. I, I, I suppose they probably could have sold outside the temple courts, but that wasn't the major problem. The major problem was that they were actually ripping people off. The major problem was that they were actually price gouging. And I'll explain this. Uh, the Jewish people all over the land of Israel, they're commanded to go up to Jerusalem to worship their God. There's prescribed, there were prescribed sacrifices in a prescribed location. They weren't supposed to just go anywhere to offer sacrifices and to worship God. And so several times a year, they were supposed to go up to Jerusalem to offer these sacrifices, and the priests and the religious people there were supposed to serve the people in offering these sacrifices. Oftentimes what would happen, though, is if you're traveling from a long distance, you know, you have your your animal that you're going to sacrifice to the Lord. You have this animal, but instead of trying to travel with, you know, these droves of animals all the way to Jerusalem, which is also on a high place uphill, many times what people would do is they would take the animal sacrifice that they were going to have, they would sell it where they lived, they would take that money, and then they would travel to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem, and then buy an animal that's of equal value, and then take that to the temple for their sacrifice. It saved them having to travel with so much stuff. The problem was, is that when they took their money and came to Jerusalem, the prices were marked up many, many, many times, and they were price gouging these individuals who were trying to come to God to worship. They were trying to come before the Lord to offer sacrifices. In other words, these people are causing a barrier to be in place between them and their worship, between between them and the living God. Jesus, who is the expression of the living God, has a huge problem with people who cause an obstacle between them and God. Okay, it wasn't necessarily the fact that they were selling things. They were actually offering a service. It was the fact that they were they were marking up the prices so much and they were ripping people off. Sometimes I'll hear people reference this portion of scripture and like, yeah, you know those churches, they have a coffee shop and a bookstore and it's supposed to be a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. I'm like, well, that's really not the point of that scripture. The point wasn't they were selling stuff. The point was that they were ripping people off who were trying to draw near to God. Okay, they were placing a barrier between the worshipers and they were profiting from them. God doesn't like this. This is a, this is a picture of a prophetic picture of the fruitlessness of that religious culture in that day, and, and God did not like it, okay? Let me give you another example. It's really the same people, the same example, but over in Matthew 23, Matthew 23 is like a gnarly, a gnarly book of the Bible. Matthew 23, Jesus drops the hammer of all hammers. Like, you should go read Matthew 23 sometimes. I don't have time to read the whole portion of Scripture, but... Uh, here's, here's the picture. It's the picture of religiosity without relationship. It says this. Jesus says this in Matthew 23. Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for, for they do not practice what they preached. They tie heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is, is done for people to see. So they're tying heavy, cumbersome loads on people. Everything, but they won't help these people at all lift, lift this load. Uh, verse 13, 
Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those who enter, uh, those enter who are trying to. Okay, so these people, they're trying, the, the, the purpose of the religious sect in, in Israel in that time was to serve the people so that the people could worship God and could come before him with their prescribed sacrifices and worship. And they're actually creating barriers and putting heavy burdens on people and God is not happy with that. God wants those serving in ministry to serve the people and make God approachable. Jesus called these people hypocrites six times, sons of hell, blind guides, blind fools, snakes, brood of vipers, and whitewashed tombs. You know, if Jesus says all that to you, it's like, yeah, you're not doing good, okay? <laughs> they, what was the problem? They were not representing the approachableness of God. They were not representing the heart of the Father. They didn't know the Father. Jesus knew the Father. And Jesus is the expression and the exact representation of what the Father's like. You want to know what Father God is like? Look at his son. Look at Jesus. This is what God is like. There's not this like, you know, Father God does one thing. Jesus is kind of doing another thing. And Holy Spirit's over here doing his other thing. It's like, no, they're all one. They work together, right? <laughs> Come on. It's good stuff. So in those 39 verses, Jesus is dropping the hammer. It's nasty. Listen, Jesus is the door. He opened the door for people to come into the kingdom of God. The Pharisees at the time were alienating people and ripping people off. We as Christians are supposed to be like that. We are supposed to be an open door for people to come into the kingdom. Listen, you, you wanna, many times we come to church, we want to encounter God. Listen, be an encounter. Be an encounter for someone else. Like, and, and I say this so many times. The vision of City Lights Church is not just to come to church and have a good church. We like good church. This was awesome what we had here today. It was amazing. But our vision is to, to come here and get filled up so that you guys can go back out into your world and be the shining lights of Jesus everywhere you go, in your city and in your world. Amen? That's what we're looking for, to open the door for the kingdom of God to other people. In your families, in your homes, in your workplaces, in your marriages. All right. In the Bible, fruit and good works were kind of a synonymous idea, okay? These are used interchangeably. Uh, Titus 3.14 says this, And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, so that they may not be unfruitful. Okay? Meet urgent needs. What is ministry? What is What is ministry? A good definition of ministry is this, meeting people at the point of their need. That's ministry, meeting people at the point of their need, okay? Maintain good works, meeting urgent needs that we may not be unfruitful, okay? Bearing fruit is God's priority in our lives. John 15, 8, Jesus said this, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do you show yourselves to be a disciple of Jesus? You bear much fruit. And listen, fruit... It's not just for you, it's for others around you, amen? It's something for someone else, all right? John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. God's appointed us to bear fruit. He wants to show that we're his disciples by bearing fruit, and he wants us to maintain good works and meeting urgent needs so that we may not be unfruitful, amen? God wants us to be fruitful believers, and fruit is attractive, the fruit of the Spirit is attractive. Your life should be magnetic and attractive to other people. If you don't have any friends, 
I don't know. That's your problem, right? People should be drawn to you. People should want to be connected to you. And the church of the living God, City Lights Church, speaking of the whole church now, we should be magnetic. We should be welcoming. We should be inviting. Amen? All right. Hey, I didn't do bad. We're, we, we cut the proper amount of fat off the sermon, so we're, we'll land the plane pretty quick here. But I'll, con- I'll conclude with this. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I love this portion of scripture. There's this dichotomy between these two verses. It says this, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. I love that. Salvation is a free gift. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. Praise the Lord. I love that scripture. But then verse 10 is so amazing. He says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for our good works. We're not saved by the fruit we produce in our lives. In fact, we are incapable of producing fruit without the Holy Spirit. We're not saved by that fruit, but we are saved to produce that fruit in our lives. Amen? Okay? So it's not just I'm going to receive grace and be a fruitless tree the rest of my life. No, I'm going to receive grace, and through grace and through obedience and through walking with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be a fruitful Christian, and it's going to be attractive and magnetic to other believers around me. Amen? Okay? Fruit is attractive. What is magnetic about the church? Well, it's Jesus. But Jesus met people at the point of their need, right? The church should open the door to the kingdom of God, just like Jesus said, I am the door. Come through this door. The church should open the the door to the kingdom for those around us, meeting people at the point of their need. This is the approachable church. Let me ask you, I'll just close with this question. If someone had to live off of your spiritual fruit, would they be satisfied or would they be malnourished? If someone had to live off of your spiritual fruit, would they be satisfied or malnourished? I want to be someone that others can come to and I have something to offer them, something that will satisfy them. I don't want to bring people religion that's void of power. I want to bring something that's of substance and of power to people. Amen? I think today in church we had a whole lot of non-religious activity, which is amazing. I love it. I love it. But uh, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, then we'll have Leslie come close the service. Father, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the desire of all nations. Everyone wants a king like Jesus. Everyone's attracted to Jesus. Sinners were attracted to Jesus. And God, when they came to you, you gave them grace, and you transformed their lives, Lord. And I pray as the church, as believers in Christ, as ones following you, Lord, that the fruit we would bear, Lord, would be attractive to the world around us, and it would satisfy and bring, um, bring glory to your name, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. God, it brings you glory when your children act like you, talk like you, and walk like you. In Jesus' name, Lord. I bless your, I bless your children here today. I bless the sons and daughters of God of the Most High in this place. We thank you for this church and the other churches in our region, Lord God. We pray that we would bear your name. We'd be salt and light to this church and uh, to this region, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m., at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church. 
where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.